0: Well, uh, Good evening everyone, my name is Mike, I'm one of the pastors here and I realised uh, as Phil was uh, talking this morning, because we uh, did similar things this morning, that uh, today actually marks a year that Emily and I have been back at, uh, at Snack, and it's been a great privilege to be back at church here, uh, particularly uh, good to come back after three or four years of being away to an air-conditioned church, uh, which if you are here this morning was very important, so uh, good stuff in my absence to do such things. But like Phil said, I'm going to speak about uh, the proclaiming part of our vision statement as a church, and particularly about the upcoming life course. And uh, the life course will form a huge part of what our church is on about this year, and God willing, a huge part of what our church does going forward. So the idea is, term one, term three, uh, every year, we'll run the life course. Uh, And uh, what we've been doing these last few weeks, up front, during particularly the the announcements uh, time is we've been encouraging everyone here at snack that's us, uh, to be bold. Uh, to, to really be bold in inviting your friends and your family and your work colleagues and your neighbours. And uh, that's what I want to talk about now. I want to talk about boldness, because if we're honest, it does take boldness. Uh, it does take boldness to, to share Jesus with people. It does take boldness to invite someone to the life course. And uh, some of you might remember the Rico Tice book, uh, Honest Evangelism, uh, that we actually did with our evangelism training the beginning of last year, but also I think we did it as, as a church-wide uh, gospel team uh, content maybe five, six years ago. And uh, in Rico's book, he talks about the need to cross the pain line, that there's this, this pain line that needs to be crossed when we share Jesus with people, because we're, we're worried about how people might react when we mention Jesus. Uh, We're worried about the relationships we have and we're concerned that we'll we'll jeopardize our relationships with our friends and our family and our work colleagues. And uh, there's a pain line because we're scared of of stirring the pot. You see, the the two taboos you're not allowed to talk about are are politics and religion. So if you talk about Jesus, well, you're just stirring the pot. That's what our world tells us. And so it takes boldness to cross that pain line. Uh, It's not always easy. It takes boldness to mention Jesus when some people will think you just weird when you say the name of Jesus. Uh, It takes boldness because some of our relationships will be compromised. Uh, They will get uncomfortable. Uh, And when we mention Jesus, the pot will get stirred. And here's here's the thing about boldness. You see, sometimes there's a fine line between being bold and just being foolish. Uh, Being bold and just, well, being stupid, if I can put it that bluntly. Uh, Let me give you an example. When I was in year five, so I was about 10 or so, uh, it was my first day at a new school. I just started at Kingsgrove Primary. And uh, it was my first day there. And I I remember seeing these two boys, these two older boys uh, picking on some younger boy. And so what I did all boldly and courageously, I went up to those two older older boys and I said, hey, what are you doing? Leave him alone. Why are you picking on him? And, uh, you know, trying to act all tough. And uh, it worked. They actually stopped picking on this kid. I was successful but the problem was what they actually did was divert their attention to me and start throwing me around and picking on me and sure I was bold but it was foolish they were bigger than me I had no idea what I was doing or just to give you another example uh, a year later in the glorious streets of Brighton La Sands you're going to pick a theme here uh, me and a mate were playing at the front of my house and uh, there was this punk kid uh, from school, from Brighton Public. That's the new school I was at. I didn't get kicked out of Kingsgrove Primary, don't worry. Uh, and there's this punk kid who turned up and he just started to fight with my mate. It was at the front of my house. And so there I was again, acting all tough and acting all bold. And so I got this guy and I grabbed him from behind and I pulled him back off my mate. Uh, and again, it worked. I, I protected my mate. But this time what happened is the guy, as I was holding him back, got loose and he twisted his hips and just threw his fist around and got me straight in the eye, like right in the eye. I had a massive black eye and uh, my mate and I thought, well, we're going to get him back because he'd run off at that time. And we knew where he lived, so again, all bold and tough, we thought we're going to go to his house, we're going we're to show him what for. We're not going to take that. And when we turned up at his house, I kid you not, he was at the front of his house, he saw us coming, and he had a knife in his hand, his father's fisherman's knife, with a blade about that big. And at that point, it's not boldness to go towards him. It's just foolish. And so we ran. We we ran for the hills. Uh, And so there's a fine line between being bold and just being foolish, just, just being stupid, just being idiotic. And sometimes... You see, we're tempted to think that what we do as we share Jesus with people is foolish. That's what we're tempted to think. And the world, it's very quick to call the Christian a fool. You know, you mentioned Jesus, you mentioned you go to church, and someone will say, you still believe in that stuff? That, that's for gullible people. You know, what do you mean you go to church? You, you, do you mean you give money to your church? Are you an idiot? Are you stupid? See, that's what our world says, But this is why I really love Acts chapter 4. Because humanly speaking, from the world's perspective, what we see Peter doing in Acts chapter 4, it's foolishness. It's it's crazy, it's stupid what he does, and and we'll see that in a moment. But from a Christian perspective, what he does and what he is is confidently bold. It's it's confident boldness that we see in Peter. And that's what I want us to see from Acts chapter 4. How as Christians, we can be confidently bold in sharing Jesus. That as we, as we cross that pain line and we share Jesus with people, or we invite them to church, or we invite them to the life course, or we ask them to read the Bible with us, that's not foolish. We're not being foolish when we do that. No, rather, it's the wisest and most sensible thing a person can do who knows Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And so I want to make uh, three quick points for an Acts uh, chapter 4, so make sure you've got it open in front of you. And the first is about Peter's bold transformation. And that's uh, point one in your outline, make sure you've got it there. And then this is one of my favorite things about Acts chapter 4, because the, the Peter of Acts chapter 4 is a transformed version of the Peter we see in the Gospels. And uh, you might remember this from last year, from uh, John chapter 18, when we looked at John's Gospel. But do you recall what Peter was like when Jesus was arrested? Uh, You might remember at first he was bold. He was the kind of foolish, stupid bold. He pulled out his sword and he cut the the servant's ear off in front of this army of people who were looking to arrest Jesus. So at first he was bold in a foolish way, but do you recall what Peter did after Jesus was arrested? Uh, Do you recall what Peter did after things started to get real and it looked like Jesus was going to be killed? What did Peter do? He shied away. He denied ever knowing Jesus. He was scared. Scared of being associated with Jesus because perhaps then he himself would be killed. And at one level, you know, we can understand that. I think if we were in that same situation, we'd be scared. We would have been scared to be associated with Jesus for the fear of our own life in that situation. But then we have the Peter of Acts chapter 4. And he's not shy to talk about Jesus. And just just look at what Peter says from verse 8. So Acts chapter 4, verse 8. And keep in mind that as Peter is speaking here, he's speaking in front of the same court and the same people who only 60 days earlier had arrested Jesus. So it's the same court, the same people who put Jesus to death. And Peter says to them, verse 8, Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing here before you healthy. And again, just just remember who he's standing in front of, the same court, the same people who put Jesus to death. And so they could do the same thing to him. But what does he say? He says to them, You crucified Jesus. You, you killed him. And Peter, this time, he has no issues whatsoever being associated with Jesus and, and his name. And humanly speaking, what he does, it's not bold, humanly speaking. It's foolish that they could kill him. Uh, I don't know what youth group is like uh, here at SNAC, uh, but I remember back in my youth group days, uh, at least in uh, the youth group I went to, and maybe we were a bit twisted. But uh, you'd get asked this question every now and then. They'd say it in a talk, or someone would just ask you the hypothetical question. They would say, what would you do if you had a gun to your head? Would you still confess Jesus, or would you deny Jesus? And that, that's what's happening with Peter here. See, the court, in a sense, literally, uh, metaphorically speaking, has a gun to his head. They could put him to his death, and yet what does Peter do? He doesn't deny Jesus. He doesn't shy away. He confesses Christ. And so what's changed? Why, why the transformation? Why, why the confident boldness now in Peter? Well, two things. Have a look again at verse 8. Verse 8. For one, Peter has the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, again, if you remember John's Gospel, had promised that the Spirit would help him to speak. And so Peter here is speaking. But two, the second reason, look at verse 10. Verse 10. It's because Jesus, whom they crucified, what did God do? God raised from the dead. Jesus is risen. And those, those two things for Peter changed everything. It made the, the ones denying, the ones hiding, the ones scared Peter confidently bold. It made him the Peter of Acts chapter 4. And here's, here's the point for us. You see, that same spirit is with us now. He dwells in us. He works through us. And the same Spirit who transformed Peter, that that same Spirit who opened our eyes and took us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son and transformed us to be more and more like Christ, he's still at work in this world. He's still at work today. Uh, Look at what Rico Tice says in his book. It's up on the screen. He says this. He says, "...the Spirit's power should give us confidence to cross the office or the streets or the front room and tell someone about Jesus. We talk about Christ, God opens blind eyes. It's our job to tell someone about Jesus. It's not our job to make someone respond. It's God who opens blind eyes. This is so liberating. And isn't it? For isn't it so liberating? Once we remember that God's Spirit is still at work, and that He works through us, and once we remember that, that Jesus is seated in the heavenly realms, he, he is God's King, and He's God's eternal King, who rules and reigns over all things, and He's there now, once we remember those things, that gives us confident boldness. You see, if Jesus was still dead in the grave, if we could go to Jerusalem today and find Jesus' dead body and dig it up, then we'd be fools. If I can be harsh, you're an idiot for being here tonight. You're wasting your time. Or if God's Spirit isn't at work, as we share the message of Jesus, as people are brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son, if God's Spirit isn't at work, then we'd be fools. You see, that's point one. The same Spirit, the same fact of the risen Jesus that transformed Peter, transforms us, and so we can be confidently bold. Point two, second point is Peter's confidence in the name that saves. And just, just imagine how frustrated the, the rulers and the elders and the scribes of the court would have been at this point. So put yourself in their shoes. You see, uh, again, if you remember John's gospel, what did the religious elite hate? They hated Jesus. Why? Because they were the powerful ones. They had control. They were the ones uh, in the driver's seat. And this Jesus guy came along and people started to listen to him and to follow him. And so they thought, that's not good, so what are we going to do? We'll get rid of him. We'll, we'll kill him. We'll, we'll take him out of the picture, and then, then we can go on uh, you know, sipping fine wine and taking the best seats at the dinner table and inviting all our religious friends around for dinner, if you remember the, the parables from the last couple of weeks. And yet, even though they'd killed Jesus, he was this Peter guy still talking about Jesus. Now look at what Peter says, verse 11. Look at what he says to them. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, you rulers and elders and scribes, which has become the cornerstone, the most important part of the whole building. You look at verse 12, this is key. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. And this is, this is so uh, politically incorrect in our world. Uh, to say that salvation can be found in no one else, in, in no other name, in no Muhammad, in no Buddha, in no whoever or whatever else, but only and exclusively in Jesus. To say that, well, well, you can't say that in this modern world. You're a fool to say that. You're, you're a lunatic to say that. But if it's true, if that's the truth, then how can't we say that? see, surely love demands that we speak of Jesus, love demands that we warn people about Jesus. Uh, there's a man called John uh, Croston, he's a Scottish man, and uh, he was on holidays at Kamala Bay in Phuket on Boxing Day 2004, uh, and if you don't know what day that was, that was the day that that big tsunami hit, uh, and where thousands of people died. And uh, this man, uh, uh, John, he was in the ocean when he felt this strange undercurrents, and he saw the water starting to recede, and he'd, started, uh, he'd studied geology. So, so when he saw that happen and he felt the current, he knew straight away it was a tsunami. So what did he do? He, he, he started uh, to run towards the beach. He grabbed his daughter, he grabbed his wife, and he sprinted toward the beach with his family, uh, screaming, tsunami, tsunami. That basically just a madman he just sounded like a lunatic screaming his head off and he, he says this of himself in an article uh, that he was interviewed for he said this he said i consider myself a reserved individual but on that beach i left all my inhibitions behind and he goes on to say he says i wonder if i could have alerted more people on the beach because they were largely standing mesmerized Almost hypnotized by what was happening around them as they watched the water recede. And what this man did is, he hit the beach, uh, he he saw a tourist bus coming down towards the beach from one of the major hotels and uh, he managed to persuade the driver to quickly turn around and to head back up the hill and him and his wife and his daughter jumped on the bus. And uh, as the bus went up the hill, the tsunami had started to come through and literally the wave was, was licking the back of the bus. It almost got taken by the wave. They just made it up the hill. And what I think in that man, what we see is someone who calls himself a reserved individual, who's not the bold type naturally, and yet he boldly spoke out. He, he screamed out tsunami. Why? Because of what he knew. And I can't help but wonder, if I was on the bus that day, heading heading down towards the beach from my hotel, and just looking forward to a lovely day in paradise, and this lunatic of a man jumped on the bus, just screaming his head off, I'd just think him foolish. I'd think him a madman. But then wouldn't you be eternally thankful when you were sitting safe on the bus up the hill? You see, boldness makes sense when it's confidently placed. And Peter, he he knew, Peter knew that he had to speak boldly of Jesus because there was no other way. There was no other name for people to be saved, regardless of how foolish the people thought he was and how, how stupid the people of the court thought he was, he spoke out. And brothers and sisters, aren't we so thankful to God for that person who first spoke to us about Jesus and of the gospel? see, we were like those people on the beach, mesmerized and hypnotized by the world around us until someone spoke the gospel to us and God's spirit did his work in us to bring him to himself. And so we too should be bold, bold to speak uh, what some just think foolishly, but actually what they desperately need to know. So that's my, my second point for confident boldness. There's no other way, there's no other name in which we must be saved except Jesus And so we speak. Point three, third and final point. Peter is confident because of the time we are in. And uh, this comes back to the resurrection. And not only Jesus' resurrection, but what Jesus' resurrection means in general. And uh, look back at Acts chapter 4, verse 2. So go back to verse 2 of chapter 4. And look at what Luke records in verse 2. You see, why were the Jewish religious elite provoked? It's because Peter and John were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection from the dead using Jesus as the example. And notice there, it's not so much that they were proclaiming Jesus' resurrection, though they did do that, but they were proclaiming the resurrection from the dead using Jesus as the example. And please tune in here because this this is really, really important. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, that marked a new era. That, that marked a new time, that marked a new moment for all of history and now is the time of salvation. Uh, it's what Jesus says uh, to Peter and the other apostles back in chapter 1 of Acts. So it's worth flicking back, flick back, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You see, what does Jesus say to the apostles there? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you read on into Acts chapter 2, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes upon all the believers, and since that day, over 2,000 years ago, since that day, the disciples of Jesus and all the followers of Jesus after them have been witnesses in all the earth of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus of the forgiveness of sins that we find in Jesus you see now is the time of salvation now is the time when God is gathering a people of himself who will be his people for all eternity and i don't know if you've thought about this hard before or thought about it at all before but why hasn't jesus come back yet have you ever thought why hasn't jesus come back what the Bible says, the central reason why Jesus hasn't returned yet, that the, the main reason why Jesus hasn't come back to to finally take us home and to finally put an end to suffering and death and, and sin and bushfires and droughts and viruses and all those things, the central reason why Jesus hasn't come back to put an end to those things is because God is still gathering His people. God is still saving His church. He's his eternal people who will be with Him for all eternity. And if God uses us, the people of His church, to proclaim Jesus to people who are yet to become part of that church, if He uses us to do that work, well then surely that means that we should get on with the task of proclaiming Jesus to people. Because once God has finished saving people, then Jesus will come back. That's what we're waiting for. And so what should we do as we wait? Proclaim Jesus. That is the central reason why he hasn't returned yet. And we do that in our homes, in our schools, in our universities, in our workplaces, in our sporting clubs, in our neighborhoods. You see, wherever God in his sovereignty has placed you, you are there to be salt, lights, and a city on a hill so that God might be glorified. That's why you're there as someone who belongs to Jesus. So there are my uh, quick, uh, three quick reasons as to why we can have confident boldness in sharing Jesus. And please, I hope this is clear, we're not fools. We're not fools when we do that. Our confidence is not misplaced. And really, while, while the focus is on the life course, and, and I want you to cross that pain line, I, I want you to be praying for your friends and family. I want you to cross that, that pain line and invite your, your friends and neighbors and family that they really need to be there, and life is the focus. But my real hope is that we would just be like Peter and John at the end of our passage. And let me finish with this. Look at verse 19, and we'll finish with this verse. Verse 19, Acts chapter 4, verse 19. And at this point, uh, Peter and John, they've been threatened by the court. They've been warned about speaking about Jesus and not to speak in his name ever again. And verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And my great hope and my great prayer is that like Peter and John, that we would be people who are unable to stop speaking about what we know in Jesus, what we've heard in the gospel about Jesus. And my great prayer is that we would have confidence and boldness to live for Jesus, and to speak of Jesus, to the glory of God. How about I pray that God will help us in that. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can have confident boldness as we speak of Jesus, that he's risen, that your spirit is at work in gathering of people to yourself, who will be around you for all eternity. And Father, we thank you for the great privilege that you use us to grow your church. And we pray that we would be confidently bold in speaking of Christ to all that we know, to all who we know, so that they might know him for themselves and rightly glorify you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.